Voice of the Bombers, one-on-one with Mike O'Shea, the Bombers Coaches Show on 680 CJOB. And hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Christian. 780-6868. You know, I think you all know the drill. You can phone or text questions to Coach Mike O'Shea. The preseason is over in the Canadian Football League. The regular season will start on Thursday with Saskatchewan visiting Hamilton. And the Bombers kick things off on Saturday in Vancouver against the new-look BC Lions, a team with a new coach and a new quarterback and lots of new players. So, Mike O'Shea, first of all, before we talk about your football team, you lived in Toronto for many years. Are you into the the Raptor phenomenon right now? Uh, yeah, I'll watch for sure. <laughs> I'd like to see him win, obviously. Um, I think for for me this time of year, especially, and we're starting our season, but to have a uh, an NBA champion crowned and a and a Stanley Cup champion crowned, I like watching the ends of those games. Um, just the emotion involved and uh, mm-hmm. some of the stories you hear and the, you know, the celebrations in the locker room. I, 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 I like all that stuff. Yeah. Well, we thought that we might see the end of the Stanley Cup playoffs last night. Do you care about St. Louis or Boston? You got a favorite there? I, see, I grew up a Boston fan, I would Did say. You? Oh, yeah. Terry O'Reilly, Stan Jonathan. The, oh, you the, like the those tough guys. Those yeah. guys, you know. <laughs> That's what I liked. Uh, but my buddy's dad, my real good buddy's dad, uh, is Larry Keenan, who uh, played for the Blues for a long time. Okay. So, yeah, you know, kind of, I'd like to see uh, the Blues win for, for that family. Did you hear what happened in St. Louis? They apparently, the St. Louis Post Dispatch, the newspaper, yesterday ran a series of ads congratulating the Blues on winning the Stanley Cup Ooh, before the game. And apparently the ads were scheduled to run the day after they won the Stanley Cup, but they somehow got in yesterday. And the Bruins used that as kind of fuel for fire. Yeah, uh, it's uh, interesting because I don't know that you you need any fuel. It's uh, it's do or die, right? You... Yeah. Well, some of the players said it uh, it inspired yeah. them. So well, whatever it takes, I well, guess. Well, I tell you what, you play with Zdeno Chara, who's playing with a broken jaw. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if you need much more inspiration than that either. Yeah. So you are aware of what's going on to a degree in the outside world. Uh, yep, in that in that realm, yes. <laughs> okay. Well, let's talk about uh, your cuts on the weekend. And I, Mike, I know you said last week, and you've said this every year, that this is the most difficult time of the season for you, the most difficult weekend, because you have to call guys who've worked their tails off in and say, sorry, uh, we don't have room for you. Um, was it particularly difficult, any different this time? Uh, no different. There's always uh, some talented players that you you need to um, move on from, and there's always uh, some some guys, some character guys that you know would um, be beneficial to have on your team that you just can't keep. Um, and it's it's unfortunate because I think sometimes you. Um, you know, trying to get to get get the exact right mix of sixty something guys yeah. is is very difficult uh, on a, in a short training camp. I think sometimes the talent is the easiest part to see, but putting it all together is is a little more difficult. And and you realize that um, it, it is going to. There's enough parts we have enough of the, of the great pieces that. You know, maybe you don't have to be perfect with it. It'll it'll work out. So the players are a lot of them are on pins and needles on Friday and Saturday, and 
the ones you're letting go, you call them in and tell them they've they've been released. The ones who made it, are they informed in any way, or because their phone doesn't ring, they know they're on the team? Yeah, it's it's a difficult way to do it. I, we're still searching for the exact perfect way to to let guys know, but you because they're probably rooming with another guy, you can't tell them the night before that they made it, don't worry, go ahead and sleep in, because then they maybe know that, you know, they had a conversation with a roommate, hey, did you get did you get told that, you know, no, and then it's mm-hmm. it just doesn't work well. So uh, I promise you this, we'll keep searching for the best way to, to do this. But, um, yeah, some guys are on pins and needles, and you, you tell them the day before that make sure they're in their dorm rooms, and mm-hmm. if you don't hear from us by noon... You're good to go. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I can see guys watching the clock then. And, I, you know, I'd disappear is what I'd do. If I was on the bubble, some, I would disappear. Some do, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, some do. <laughs> they're hard to find, eh? Yeah, they just, I guess the hope is that if they can't see me, you know. <laughs> they can't cut you. Yeah. All right, let's talk about Brian Bennett. Uh, he had a very good preseason. I, I think you would agree with that. You said that last week on the show, and he was, I thought he was really good in Regina, um, the other night he threw that gorgeous long pass into the wind. Tell us what went into the decision to let him go and keep Sean McGuire. Well, there's a whole bunch of factors surrounding a decision like that, especially a quarterback uh, who's been on your team, a, a guy who's played, um, you know, jumped into any role you offered him, he was going to take. Uh, but the main one I would say is um, – the, the path, the upward trend of Sean McGuire, uh, the way he developed and learned in in a very short period of time would lead you to believe that if he just keeps on that sort of uh, trend line, he, he's going to be a very good quarterback. So um, we thought the, the upside, the potential for Sean McGuire was going to outpace Brian Bennett uh, in, the, in the long term. Um, so, I mean, that's difficult once again because uh, Brian was an all-in type of guy and his teammates appreciated that. Is that as tough a, a cut as you've, among the tougher cuts you've had to make over the years? Uh, yep, because I think in 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 different circumstances and a different roster size, I mean, we're, you know, some, some teams may keep four, but we're, we don't do that because um, you just still can't develop the fourth. There's not enough time or reps. So, mm-hmm. um you just would like to have a guy like that on the team. Once again, I think I've said this a number of times, and you've you've said it too. Is just just the size of the roster is 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 limiting, and um, there are there are guys that you would really like to have around because they've contributed and and given a lot to the club already. Comes down to you can't keep them all. Another one let go was uh, receiver Rashawn Simonize, who was the club's first overall draft pick last year, twelfth. Overall, uh, kind of an intriguing athlete, a big, tall guy. Didn't seem to make a great impact in training camp. Was that a tough one, Mike? Yeah, Rashawn's the type of guy I'd like to have um, had around for another year for sure and, and tried to help him develop and, and become a, uh, you know, a good pro because he has the um, a lot of the physical tools that you'd like to see, and, and I think he can... He can play receiver in this league. It just was tough, and a guy like uh, Daniel Peterman came in and and learned multiple spots and was proving himself as very reliable, uh, tough 
you know, smaller kid in terms of compared to Rashawn, um, but but thick and and tough and seemed to break tackles and make the most of every opportunity he was given. So, um, with the way our roster was going to be set this year, we weren't going to have the luxury of dressing four Canadian receivers. So, uh, Rashawn ended up being the odd man out, and subsequently has gone on and and I guess from what I understand, is signed in BC. Yeah. So you offered him a practice roster spot. He declined. You do have, I think it's 11 guys on your practice roster. How many, again, over the years, how many guys decline the PR versus how many accept it? Is it rare for a guy to decline the practice roster? Yeah, I I would think, I would think one a year would be high. Yeah. You know, but it's not none. Right. Obviously, but most guys like the chance to stick around, right? And well, I think they they understand the 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 bad aspect of pro sport is you're always one play away from being the starter. Mm-hmm. So, and I believe the the understanding I think in in our locker room is on the practice field. Everyone's a starter, and they're they're expected to know um, everything they have to know to go in and compete and help us win. So at a moment's notice, I mean, you look a few years ago, we lost three DBs in a game and three receivers within a couple of games. Mm-hmm. And we and we managed to win games after that. Guys stepped in and stepped up and helped us win games. So um, those stories happen on every pro team in any pro sport. You know, guys get their opportunity and they need to make make good with it. Um, so I think the guys that signed the practice roster agreements understand that they're very close to, to being in and getting their, getting their real genuine opportunity. 780-6868, your calls and texts for Mike O'Shea. Next on The Coaches Show with Mike O'Shea on 680 CJOB. The Bombers Coaches Show on 680 CJOB. All right, let's go to the text. We have a bunch of them here. Hi, Mike, uh, Bob. I have to say I've never been more concerned about an opening bomber game. The Lions look really, really good. This is from Mike. This game will be an extremely good test to see what we really have. Good first game to have. Your thoughts on that, Coach O'Shea? Yeah, any uh, Mike Riley-led team is going to be a good football team. Um, you know, Rich Stewart on the defensive side is a, is a good add, obviously, too. Um, they've picked up some key free agents. They've also lost some guys. I, I think uh, the excitement of having a new staff in there, Devon Claybrook's uh, his first game, you know, obviously is going to be fired up. So um, it's tough to play in BC. And having said all that, we're going to go in there and, you know, work our tails off to make sure we get what we want. There's a certain unknown about that BC team right now. Does that make it more challenging? because of all the changes they've made and both with players and coaches yeah they're they're they've left their mark on the CFL and in, in other with other teams so I mean Rich Stewart has been around a long time right yep. so there's enough film to watch on him and and Devon and and Stubler coached together so I mean you can look at those years Mike Riley is is who he is you know, he's going to put the ball up in the air. Deep yeah, there's no the, mystery around him, is oh, there? you know where Deron Carter's going. He's going to go deep, and the ball's going to be up there, you know, for mm-hmm. a while So for him to try and out-jump somebody and steal a ball. So uh, you know what you're getting into. Um, I don't think it's it's at all a mystery. And, and if it is, the interesting thing is 
this is a, a a neat game because the players really get to go out and just play, get, execute our system, our plays without a lot of film, without a lot of uh, certainty on on whether the plays are going to be a little different now with a different quarterback or, you know, uh, what Jarius Jackson is going to do, you know, what wrinkles he's going to bring. So I think it really allows the players to go out and 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 just play good hard football, you know, which is. I think what they want. Don't think too much. Yeah. yeah. Um, here's another text. Did anyone pick up Bennett? And was Mike ever cut himself? Cut several times. I was talking earlier in the show about Larry Keenan. He cut me every year from AAA <laughs> hockey. <laughs> Were you ever cut from football? Yes. Well, I got cut my last year in Toronto. They wanted me to retire, and I said no, and I got cut by the Detroit Lions. I was in the shower, and the... GM or assistant GM came in and cut me while I was showering. It was interesting. No kidding. No kidding. What do you mean? You just yelled into <laughs> the, the shower. shower. O'Shea, get out of here. Oh, no, he came to talk to me. Oh. <laughs> I happened to be in the shower. Did he stand and talk to you in the shower? <laughs> I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, well, and now being cut the way you were cut by Toronto is not really being cut. Anyway, let's, sure it is. <laughs> here's another question. Without Ryan Lankford here, have you determined who would be the emergency field goal kickoff and punter should Medlock get injured? Well, you you certainly work on that stuff. I think we've got uh, a couple of those um, a couple of those scenarios figured out, but that takes a little bit more time uh, to get worked out. You don't like talking about your backup kicker, do you? I don't like talking about injuries, period. <laughs> there you go. Okay. <laughs> and then uh, the rest of that question was, will that decision play a factor in players that make the team? Probably uh, your DI to some degree would depend on who you decide is going to be your returner, or would it? Um, yeah, the returner part for sure, but mm-hmm. I don't think you, I don't know that you're dressing a guy, he'd have to be pretty good to dress a guy as a backup kicker, um, like an emergency kicker situation. Yeah. You know. Okay, let's go to a phone call. Kevin, you're on with uh, Michael Shea. Go ahead, Kevin. Oh, hey, Coach. Hey, guys. Uh, question. The Canadian um, content that was cut, do you see a prospect of these guys coming back in the league eventually? And example, like the long snapper, who I thought had a great game. And what was the process of maybe letting them go and telling them how what to improve on? Um, well, Kevin, I, I don't, I don't necessarily want to talk about conversations I've had with players. They're to me, they're private. Um, you know, everybody's if they ask, uh, and some of them don't ask, some of them don't want to know. You know, it's not a an easy time for guys to listen. Um, but the there's always every player you you release there's you, you liked him for a reason and you may have to revisit that uh, you know going forward. I think there's been times where we're you know about to cut a guy and send him home and next thing you know he's playing he's on the roster the next week just because things happen in practice he hasn't left town yet whatever it is you know those well, those situations well, don't surprise me at all. Well, more important the guys that live here. Mm-hmm. And in case of injury, do you see them can be possibly being called back? Yeah, I think he's talking about guys like Dylan Schrott and Zach Greenberg. Yeah, and... it's that's always a possibility. Uh, you know, we we know where they are, and you know, our hope uh, is that they get on somewhere else and are and are playing and and active for their sake. You don't you don't ever hope that they're just all just sitting around waiting for another call. Um, you'd like them to be 
you know, actively pursued and, and win a job somewhere else because they're, you know, they're good local products that can play football. And it just so happens that on our team, they they can't make our team just yet. Thank you, sir. Hey, no, Kevin, thanks. thanks for the call. Now, um, I mentioned Zach Greenberg. He was your long snapper in Regina the other night. Did a nice job, didn't he? He did a great job. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So he's, and he looks like he could handle that job with some other club. And who knows, maybe he gets a call. Yeah, I think his 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 snapping was was excellent. His times for his snaps are are right on par with what you need. Um, I thought he did a good job. He you know in a very short time picked up uh, our blocking schemes and and was working on um, more of that because there's it was what you see is pretty vanilla in the preseason, so it would get a lot more intricate as the season went on. Fair to say that all these guys you cut, there was something in all of them that you liked. Yep. They were, they were all here for a reason. Yeah. They were all brought in for a reason. And, um, you know, in the end, it just didn't add up, uh, all of it, you know. And, and there are a lot of factors that come into play, not just, uh, you know, how talented a guy is. You look at um, Kenny Walker, you know, he catches that 86-yard pass from from Brian Bennett, and, and he's on our practice roster. He, but he showed well. He's super fast. Yeah. And... But it's not just the one play, right? There, he did enough to be on our team, and and so I wouldn't say the guys on the practice roster. You know, I wouldn't say they're not on our team. They are valuable members of our of our organization that'll get a chance. Seven eight zero to six eight six eight. We'll be back with the coaches show with Mike O'Shea on six eighty CJOB. The Bombers Coaches Show on six eighty CJOB. Let's go to the phone lines, Calvin. You're on with Mike O'Shea. Go ahead. Hey, Coach. How you doing? Uh, what are our chances of winning the cup this year? I don't know we what really the Vegas. need it. I don't know what the Vegas odds are, but I'd like to say we got a pretty good chance. Uh, right on, man. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. That's it, Calvin. That's it. That's it. All right. Thanks for the call. All right. Let's go Bye. back. Let's go back to the text questions. Uh, is Chris Matthews ready to play? For those who don't know, he missed, uh, well, I guess, about the last 10 days of camp. I'd say he's, based on uh, what he did today working out, I'd say he's really close, if not ready. Okay, a couple of other injured guys. Uh, what about Pat Newfeld on the O-line? Yeah, he's running around. I'll give him up until the, all these guys, everybody hears the same thing. All these guys, I'll give them to the last-ditch minute to... Uh, to hear them say they can't. And cornerback Winston Rose was another one who has missed quite a bit of time. Yeah, he looks good too. Okay. Uh, sorry if you've already answered this, but why hasn't Anthony Coombs been signed yet? Now, Coombs was cut by Toronto, and for those who don't know, I think most people do, he's a local kid. And does that question mean signed by us? I'm, I presume that's what it means? Um, I'm not sure. He says, why yeah. hasn't Coombs been signed yet? I don't know if it's by you yeah, or any well, team. So though. I think every team's going through the same thing. They're, they um, are cutting down their rosters. So they just have released a bunch of guys that they brought in because they like them. And, um, you know, I don't know that you spend, uh, you release guys leaving room for somebody who might not get cut, you know, from another team. So I think that's a challenge in that regard. Um, if you're talking specifically about us, I think Nick Dembski is a pretty damn good player. So I, I would see them in the same role. So you'd be signing a guy to to be a, a backup to a good player, and we already have backups, you know, 
Um, or we already have other guys that are waiting their turn. Uh, here's a question. Are there two global players, in brackets Mexicans, on the practice roster? And there are. Um, why is that? Well, because you're allowed to have two. Okay. Yep. And also, what role will Tiadric Hansen from Germany have on the roster? Well, Tiadric has shown well. Um, you know, I, I think we had four uh, global players um, Gabriel, uh, has since our kicker has, you know, I thought he performed extremely well in tough conditions in Saskatchewan. Mm. And I think he's on his way to another team right now. Really? Yep. Um, uh, one of our guys has got a, a, a bit of a, a injury and he's working on getting back healthy. And the other two players, uh, we would be excited to have them on the roster and they would, you know, have a role on special teams right now and, you know, get to get some snaps. So, um, that's, that's how I see it. We're, we're very fortunate. I think we've got a, a, we had a good group of globals that know how to play football and we're, we're, we're all in for trying to make the team and contribute. And, um, so, um, what's interesting is, uh, I guess you only have to have one you can have a maximum of two. You only have to have one on the PR. Um, but you'd like to, you know, they've worked hard and you'd like to keep them around and you you have to, you, you are going to be dressing one every game. And so you need to make sure that you've got guys in-house. Yeah, just to clear that up again for the listeners too, the global player, and it's Theodric Hansen, uh, to start the season, cannot be scratched. He has to play, right? He has to dress for every game. He doesn't have to play, but he has to dress for every game. Is One right? global has to dress for yeah. every game. Yeah. So Hanson, I know, Mike, when you first saw him, uh, you were impressed with him physically. Has he has he come along and, and oh, really improved? Yeah, absolutely. He, we talked earlier about him earlier in training camp. Um, I don't think there's a coaching point that he's gotten that he hasn't gone out to the field subsequently and worked on and then shown it shown his improvement in practice that day or the next day. So he uh, he uh, comes with specific questions on certain techniques. You give him the answer and he heads out onto the field early or stays late and works on them to perfect them and then puts it out there on the field. That's excellent. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, coachability is one of those things that you would like every player to have. Now in the game in Regina last week, uh, I saw him in the middle of, a lot of the special teams plays. And I think it's important to note that you guys have to carry one of these guys and you have to play him. But this he's not a slug. I mean, Theodric answered is when he plays on special teams, he's going to he's gonna be okay, isn't he? Well, he was physically impressive at the combine. He, yeah. he you know, jumped and ran and pushed uh, and then pushed guys around. Um, so his physical testing was all very good. He, you know, admittedly, he'll say that the speed of the game um, was different, and he's he's still working on the speed of the game. But you know, he had some tackles. He almost had a goal line interception. Sergio Schiaffino, uh, Schiaffino Perez, are playing corner, almost had an interception in in that game. So um, you know, these guys, uh, and like I said, Gabriel kicked you know extremely well into the wind, and that last kickoff he had was was amazing into the wind. And the the fourth guy, Lalo, um, he, you know, he just happened to be hurt, so he didn't get a chance to play. But uh, they showed well. The three that played showed extremely well. So when you guys signed Lucky Whitehead, you knew about his speed. 
Uh, and you never know about a player when you bring him in, how he's going to adapt to the new game and his attitude and all the rest of it. Seems like Lucky has turned out to this point to be everything you hoped he would be. Oh, and, and more. He's a really good guy. Like, I think he's excited for his opportunity. I think he um, enjoys the fact that um, he's getting involved in the offense. Um, you know, I don't know if he's been given those other opportunities at other places. So I can't comment on that, but I think he's really enjoying his time here and appreciative of it. And um, boy, it looks like he's having fun. Why wouldn't you? With that kind of speed on our side, as field with a with a, um, the waggle <laughs> that you're allowed to have as a receiver. Uh, I mean. CFL offenses are built for guys like Lucky Whitehead. So uh, for those who didn't see the touchdown he scored in Regina the other night, and there's lots of fast players in the Canadian Football League, but Lucky Whitehead appears to have a level of speed that very few in this league or anywhere have. Uh, Yep. If If he's at full speed and somebody can track him down, that's going to be a, a great piece of film footage to watch over and over and over again because you'll see two very fast guys on the field. Seven eight zero six eight six eight. We have a question about rule changes in the league this year. We'll talk about those with Mike O'Shea when we come back with the Coaches Show with Mike O'Shea on six eighty CJOB. The Bombers Coaches Show on six eighty CJOB. And welcome back to the final few minutes of the Coaches Show with Mike O'Shea. So somebody. Uh, Wants to know about rule changes. Looking forward, first of all, this is oh, this is Michael in San Antonio. Looking forward to an exciting and successful season, starting with this week's game against the Lions. Could you give a quick overview of the rule changes that have been adopted for this season and comment on which ones you see as being most significant? So I'll read some of these off, Mike. I've got the list here, and you, uh, you respond to them. The first one is, uh, well, there's a couple here with the command center. Allowing the command center to assist referees with non with called and non-called roughing the passer penalties. Allowing the command center to upgrade a 15-yard roughing the passer penalty to a 25-yard penalty for a direct blow to the quarterback's head or neck. And allowing the command center to assist on-field officials with called and non-called roughing the kicker penalties. Do you like all those? Yep, player safety, uh, it's, it's all good. We, you know... You have to learn to to play um, and play the quarterback, especially hit the quarterback within the strike zone, so above the knees and below the shoulders. Um, the quarterbacks are it's a quarterback driven league. You gotta you gotta protect them, and and we're always looking to do a better job of that. Um, and the players will adapt. They've already adapted, so the, I don't know that you're going to get a lot of these calls. Um, the upgrade from from. 15 to 25 yards, 25-yard penalty is a huge penalty. And mm-hmm. I think they, they want the command center involved because they don't want to make a mistake. And, and you know, there's a good chance, too, that there might be some roughing the passers calls that get taken back because, you know, the line of sight for the official was impeded, let's say, and the command center says, yeah, it was not roughing the passer, right? So there's it can go both ways in this. Yep. Uh, upgrade spearing also, that's another player safety one where they can – uh, take a real egregious uh, spear and turn it into a 25-yarder and an ejection, possibly, which 
you know, when we would watch the, or when we were given the clips from the league, it, that might have been twice last year. But they want to eliminate it, and that threat of being ejected uh, is is massive. Um, protecting the kicker, once again, they're in a vulnerable spot. So just like a quarterback, they're they're you know vital to our game. The kicking game in our league involves you know usually over thirty plays a game um, in the in the kicking game. So. Uh, protecting them. Uh, what's changed with that one of that rule, one of those rules is if even if you tip the ball off the punter's foot, uh, you can't then roll up onto his plant leg. You know, so um, it used to be that as long as you made contact with the ball, even if across the line of scrimmage, then whatever you, however you hit the punter after was, you know, fair game. And so they've sort of reeled that in a bit. Um, the one for me, Bob, that I think is valuable is being able to get a second challenge now mm. given my challenge stats last year i won't get many of them <laughs> but uh in the previous few years i would have benefited from getting a second challenge so yeah, in the past the coaches only had one challenge and now you get a second if you get your first one mm-hmm. right and it, it's really become uh something that coaches have to think long and hard about was when to use that challenge to use it early uh, and risk not having it later in the game so it really puts you guys under, I think, a real onus to to try and get it right. But if you do get it right, yeah, get, get another shot. Well, I think we've always been trying to get it right. The fact no, is, we, we see the game, <laughs> we see the game a certain way, and it doesn't always yeah. look that way when on on uh, replay for the command center, say. So, sure. um, but yeah, I, we'll see how this turns out. You know, we they took a challenge, took the second challenge away because they thought it was being used um, in a cavalier method. You know, just the fishing expedition, they called it. I, yep. I didn't really believe that necessarily, except maybe near the end of a game, and they were worried about the time of the game. Well, we've I think we've really reeled in the the, the length of time a broadcast a game takes for the, our broadcast partner. So mm. um, that's part of the business of it. And since that's all come in line, and we've uh, rectified a few other rules regarding challenges, they've sort of given us one back or given us that opportunity to win one back, which I don't think it'll affect the game that much. Here's, there's a sort of a caveat here to the uh, roughing the passer penalty going from 15 to 25 yards. They, the rule reads that as long as there are no mitigating circumstances, such as a quarterback ducking his head. So what they're saying is if the quarterback ducks his head, uh, then maybe the roughing the passer penalty shouldn't be called. Yep. So, uh, you know, when a... At the last second, or when a when a would be tackler or would be hitter is you know got his uh, in in the process of of getting into the strike zone, you know above the knees and below the shoulders, it's really difficult for that athlete to change his angle mm-hmm. at the at a very last ditch second. So um, if the quarterback turns or ducks or changes where his head placement is, right. Uh, they have to take that into consideration. Now, if if you've got a free run to the quarterback and his back's to you and you cho- choose to go high and your helmet, you know, the top of your helmet strikes above his shoulders, so in the neck or head area, you're going to get a 25-yarder. Yeah. The traditionalists would say, ah, there's too many of these video reviews. Get them out of the game. But this is all about player safety, isn't it? Most of it's about that. A lot of it's about player yeah. safety. And that has to be considered with each and every rule is, is, you know, is it good for the players in terms of player safety? Uh, can the officials officiate it? Can the coaches coach it? And can the players play by those rules? 
Here's another one, too. We'll, we'll close the rule part on this. Whistling a play dead anytime a quarterback carrying the ball gives themselves up by sliding with any part of their body. Previously, a quarterback could only give themselves up by sliding feet first. Now, if they slide at all, they're giving themselves up. Is that a good a rule? Well, the intent is pretty good. They're they're trying to eliminate the slide, the forward slide, where the all the defensive players are standing back. They don't want to contact the quarterback because they don't want to risk getting a 15-yard penalty. And the yardage is being tacked on. So the quarterback starts to slide at the 30, and the defenders lay off, and he slides for four yards, and they mark it at the 34. Mm-hmm. So they've tried to eliminate that. So as soon as that first part of his body, even if he's going f- forward or face head first, as soon as that first part of his body touches, they're going to drop the plumb line there and mark the ball dead there. So some interesting, it's going to be interesting how this gets officiated and what the unintended consequences are of this rule. But um, I think for the most part, the defense is like it because w- they've been so trained not to touch the quarterback when they're sliding or when they're going down. Sure. Go back to your team. How good is your team going to be this year? Uh, Talent-wise, I think we're we're a very good football team. I think uh, we've got a, a real nice core that's that's back. Uh, you're you know it's pro sport. You always lose a few guys. Um, you know our Ted, Danny, and Ryan. That group are always looking for more talent. So and they're always looking to upgrade our team. So I think we found some players that are that brings some speed and um, some professionalism. I mean, we've we've added a, a, f- a few different players in, in certain areas, and it's r- certainly, I think, bolstered our roster. The question was, how good a team? Well, that's, you know, what these guys have to develop. They have to develop uh, the team, right? That concept of becoming a team and and working hard for each other, that doesn't happen overnight. And when you um, have a short training camp and, and new guys, they, you know, they actually have to put in work to speed that process along to be ready for, for week one. And I think it just keeps on developing over time. So I think we'll have a lot of talent and I believe we will have a very good football team. People ask me often, is this the year and my response is, well, it could be, but sports is unpredictable and you just don't know. Would you say this is more likely to be the year than any other year you've been here? And you know what I mean by yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, I'd say that. I mean, it's every year you start with the same goal. There is You do not start with a lesser goal. And uh, this year's no different. This is the goal we'll talk about. Um, won't talk about it a lot. We'll talk more about the opponent we're playing this week and how we're going to try and win this week. Um, but they're all here for the same reason. They're all starting for the same reason. At least we'll get to that, yeah. you know, in terms of being here for that reason. Some guys start training camp with the idea of they want to make a pro team. They want to make their first pro team. They want to continue with a pro career. They need to make money, all these things. And in very short order, that all has to be dropped for one goal and one reason to get to that goal. So if I say to you, can this team win the Grey Cup, you would say? Uh, absolutely. I think other teams we've had 
have the ability to win the Grey Cup. And if you said anything other than that, you shouldn't. I'm not coaching. Why would I? I wouldn't want to. If I didn't believe it, I wouldn't want to be coaching. We'll be back next Monday with another edition of the Coaches Show with Michael Shea on 680 CGO.